Hi everyone, I'm Gary Lewis and welcome to the Geo Podcast. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking about the importance of index fossils. Fossils have been used for hundreds of years to work out what the age of rock layers are in a sedimentary sequence. But not every fossil we find can allow us to do that. We need to find very specific fossils that we call index fossils because they enable us to put a fairly accurate date range on those layers in which they're found. So what makes one fossil become a better index fossil than another. And there are three things that we look for. The first thing is it needs to be a fairly common fossil. It needs to be an animal that we can find its remains in lots and lots of different rocks. So, for example, a dinosaur would make a fairly lousy index fossil. They're not very, very common, And if you only have a small amount of outcrop, the chances of finding a huge dinosaur bone in that outcrop is pretty rare. On the other hand, a small shell fossil or a small fossil of an animal like a trilobite would be a much better index fossil because they're common and easy to find even in a fairly small outcrop. So being common is one thing, but more importantly, they need to have a wide distribution. So an animal that lived all around the world in a certain environment is going to be a much better index fossil than some animal that lived only in one small location. So the fossil of a pippy, as we call them in Australia, or a mussel, as we call them up here in the US, is going to be a lot greater because they have worldwide distribution compared to, say, the fossil of a koala that is only found in certain places in Australia. So add to them being common and having a wide distribution, the final thing is they've had to have lived only over a fairly narrow time range. So for trilobites, for example, while the entire trilobite family lived over a very long time range, because of the way they evolved into different species, each of those species had a very narrow time range. So trilobites become an excellent index fossil. But say after the Permian, when all the trilobites became extinct, we need to find some other animal that we can use as an index fossil. And likewise, in some environments where trilobites weren't living, back in the Paleozoic, we need to find other animals that we can use as index fossils. So being common, having a wide distribution, and having a short time span through which they lived on the planet makes them a great index fossil. But what becomes even more powerful is when you find a rock that has got two index fossils in them where there is only a very narrow time overlap between the existence of those two animals on the planet. So in this case, two index fossils with that small overlap in time gives us a much, much better date on that sedimentary rock. Now, I've mentioned some examples here that are all fossils that you can see with the naked eye. But in some instances, we need to be able to use fossils that are very, very small indeed. An example of this is if we're trying to date 
the ages of sedimentary rocks that have come from a drill core. So if you drill down into the earth and you're selecting or collecting pieces of rock chips that come up from the drilling process, then you need to be able to find fossils that are really, really small rather than trying to piece together pieces of, say, a trilobite that may have all been broken up by the drilling process. And in this case, we use microfossils, so microscopic fossils, mostly of microscopic plants and animals that have been floating around in the ocean, for example, and when they die, their little shell falls to the ocean floor and gets placed into the sediment, and some of these could be a millimetre or less in size. These can become great fossils for indexing the age of rocks because they're common, they have wide distribution, they lived over a short time frame, and I use an example like uh, Foraminifera, or just Foram for short, but they are easy to find in very, very small samples. So the oil and gas industry, for example, uses microfossils as their index fossils rather than the larger fossils like trilobites and shells that are used when we are looking at larger outcrops of sedimentary rocks. Now, in some locations, say the United Kingdom or here in the United States or down in Australia, there may be a sequence of index fossils that are used to date the rocks in those areas because they are commonly found fossils in those areas and may not be commonly found fossils worldwide. There are some animals that lived in the ocean, especially ones that floated around in the ocean that could live in the top layer of the ocean, therefore they would be found on a worldwide distribution that enable us then to link rocks from some locations to other locations that are thousands and thousands of miles away. So I would encourage you to go onto the web and do a search on what the index fossils are for your location. Like, what are the index fossils for Australia or what are the index fossils for the United States? because by doing that, you will actually see what fossils paleontologists are using to correlate, that is, find rocks that are outcropping in different locations that are of the same age. So to finish this episode off, here's something that might be fun to think about. What current product do we use that would become a great index fossil in the future? Is it, for example, a Coca-Cola bottle or an iPhone? What products are we using that are common, have a wide distribution and existed only over a short time range? So that ends this episode on what are index fossils. And if you're interested in other things to learn, about earth science please come visit us at geoetc that's g-e-o-e-t-c dot com but for now keep on rocking